you for tuning in. This is Joseph Del Santos. And this is Jonathan Abbott. And we are Health Conscious. And today we have a great conversation with a Sloney, a recent Sloan alum. Mm-hmm. And his name is Chris Tan. He's a fellow at Johns Hopkins International currently, and he has a lot to say about international health and some of the projects that Johns Hopkins is doing in that respect. And also about um, his path kind of before Sloan and during Sloan after Sloan. So get ready and tune in. Thanks, guys. Always great to give back to Sloan and to have great conversations with aspiring young professionals such as yourselves uh, from Johns Hopkins Medicine International and from the class of 2017. Very happy to be here. Well, my degree from Texas A&M is community health which is a lot like a public health degree, but it's focused on the community level. And in those classes, you would always hear about the importance of preventative health, about the importance of health education. And as someone who saw the need for those kinds of skills in the communities and the lack of the involvement of some of the community, the the health entities in the community, um, it became clear to me that Healthcare needed some more public health and community health representation in their leadership. And, and in the two years since I went to Cornell and got my education, hospitals have begun to fully embrace that public health model um, and have recognized that through health education and preventative health in local communities and in engaging communities outside of what was traditionally seen as a hospital role, they're able to more effectively control the cost of care and more a more able to effectively manage patient populations at the local level. So I got into healthcare to ride the wave, so to speak, of the public health transition for the hospitals. And uh, in at Johns Hopkins Medicine, it's very similar in that public health is something that our clients and other countries are consistently asking for and something that helps us as an institution offer the appropriate products so that international clients um, are having their requests met. So public health is something that has inspired me to get into healthcare, and I'm happy to say that that inspiration has proven true because of all the inquiries and requests and need for that kind of experience in the field. So in terms of um, kind of working towards doing kind of preventive health, what do you think, you know, are major trends that hospitals should really be looking at uh, in terms of healthcare delivery? Well, I, I think that a lot of the things that are being said in, in the healthcare circles now and that you guys are hearing in your classes are all very effective ways to engage communities. I mean, you're hearing things about uh, population health departments and hospitals so that we can evaluate what the needs are of each patient uh, of our patient base and address those patient bases more directly. Um, this idea behind precision medicine, which customizes healthcare treatments and medical decisions based on each individual patient. Um, there are the ideas of having, uh, putting the burden of the cost, so to speak, on a patient while ensuring that they have coverage for emergency situations, so things like a health savings account. Um, to motivate young people to take full full ownership of the cost of their care and their improvement of health moving forward. But for me, I think one of the trends that I really hope continues to take on uh, momentum 
is the idea that a hospital's role is not confined to the brick-and-mortar hospital institution. And I think that's what you're seeing in a lot of these larger health systems is that hospitals are embracing the idea that a, a hospital should not just be a place you go when you get sick. Everyone is trying to reinvent themselves in this new health environment where we're seeing chronic disease drive the cost of care up significantly. We're having baby boomers that are living well into their 80s and 90s without any kind of infrastructure to support the burden of that cost. And so people are trying to do what they can to engage communities before they get too sick to care for themselves and the cost of care becomes too high. So everything from providing Uber rides for patients to get to outpatient appointments so that they can get those preventative health screenings and get their services in the outpatient setting as opposed to the inpatient, to partnering with homeless shelters or battered women's shelters or, or other community institutions that provide health services without traditionally the support of a larger health entity in the community. These are all things that we're doing to help improve community health and, and show that healthcare is something that affects all industries and all levels of the care spectrum. Um, and, and another thing that's really great is case management of specific patients. So dedicating resources to treat a patient as an individual person, not just as a disease, and looking at some env at env environmental factors that might contribute to a patient's condition. Um, all these things that hospitals are investing in and trying to be innovative in are and supported by data as well. These are all things that I think are really important for healthcare and that I'm really excited to see where they move where they go moving forward. Did you see or I guess could you talk about maybe things that you saw at UPMC and Johns Hopkins so far that kind of try to meet those ends? Well, Johns Hopkins as an institution is fully embracing this idea of precision medicine, so using data to treat patients specifically to those patients, not just generalizing their health conditions and assuming that one method of treatment works the same for every patient. Um, at UPMC in McKeesport, that hospital is a staple of the community. So it's embedded within this McKeesport community, which is very much a blue-collar part of a blue-collar city. Uh, it's, a, it's an old community, it's a little resistant to change, but very much embracing in, uh, this idea that we're all in this together. And so McKeesport actually did a great job at bringing in the community and leveraging the opinions of community leaders in large, large decisions of, the health, of, that, of that hospital moving, like as they made those decisions. So they engaged these communities in panels. They were always asking how this affects those around them. They're just very much focused on not just how they can ensure they're serving the community, but asking what does the community want service for? What do they need and what, what are they saying they need so that we can try and corroborate the two. That, that, I think, is a really great example. And again, at Hopkins, I haven't had as much experience yet working with the uh, population health side of things, but I'm sure they're doing very similar things where healthcare for them is not that is restricted to hospitals and patient beds there, uh, especially in a city like Baltimore, where the need for those additional resources and as much support as possible is, is very present. I'm sure that Baltimore and, and Hopkins here, the presence here in Baltimore is similar to that of in McKeesport, where the community always has a seat at the table. And I think that's the first step to engaging population health effectively. Have you seen any differences uh, internationally versus domestically, um, 
you know, we, we know that some of the European and Asian healthcare systems are much more focused on sort of a holistic medicine approach, and the United States is really trying to playing catch up in that in that uh, sense. So, is there any sort of differences that your clients have spoken to, or any trends that you're looking at in those markets uh, that we should be paying attention to? I think that you hit it on the head there, John, where you're saying the other health systems are doing something that we have a lot to learn from. And that, I think, is a, a, conception, a misconception that, that American healthcare is this bastion of health. Uh, when we have so much to learn from other health systems, uh, so much to learn from the way that other people view health. So to answer your question, I think that there's a lot that we can learn and a lot that we've seen that we use every day to try and become better, both locally here in the United States, but in our ability to serve what our patients and our clients need. So at, at Johns Hopkins Medicine International, we are very focused on the patient. It's something that drives everyone to do what they, uh, to, to perform their roles, whether it's someone who's in marketing that's looking to engage new client bases in other countries, to someone in the concierge team that is the first interaction that patient has with someone from Johns Hopkins Interna Medicine International, to the actual teams that go with patients to appointments and ensure that the patient is receiving culturally competent care. Uh, in that way, we're trying to address the patient at a holistic level and that our service and the, the coordination of the care does not end with just booking an appointment. We are trying to address them, uh, their needs as a person. And from a health perspective, we learn a lot from them in how healthcare is in their country. So as you said, just the uh, patients being viewed more holistically in, in the European countries, we see that here where patients are not only amazed at how much services cost, but their, their requests are different. They, they ask for different types of things that a domestic patient would not, wouldn't think to ask for. Uh, things where fo follow-ups, for example, um, it's, it's something that European patients tend to know a little bit more about, and, and they have this idea that, oh, that this one appointment is not going to solve all my problems. Whereas a lot of times patients who are from the United States don't seem to see that as clearly, where they expect one appointment to, to solve everything. Um, but it's just things like that that Johns Hopkins Medicine International is continuing to be more aware of and try and provide that holistic experience for patients as well. Uh, it, it's a changing world out there, and as you know, healthcare is one of the slowest industries to innovate. And international, the international space, even though it is seen as this wild west, the dynamic uh, frontier of our industry, it's still very much learning about how we can meet patient needs as people, not just as patients or numbers on a, on a page. So there are continuing to be growth opportunities, but uh, as long as we continue to engage people from other backgrounds and perspectives and listen to those backgrounds and perspectives, there are always opportunities to improve that we at Johns Hopkins Medicine International continue to take advantage of. That's great. Um, in terms of getting kind of feedback from the community um, when you're at your time at UPMC and then I guess getting feedback from um, people internationally, are there kind of patient advocacy, advocacy councils? Um, that allow you um, to kind of get that feedback in an efficient way? No, I think that that's something that we are continuing to grow at as well, which is learning from other patients' experiences. So we're very focused at Johns Hopkins Medicine International on providing high quality of care and ensuring that length of stay is as low as possible, that patient needs are being met, that they're receiving culturally competent care, 
And to engage the patients after they leave and ensure that we've met their expectations, we have committees centered around collecting feedback on surveys. And we monitor those surveys very closely. They, they comment on how satisfied they were with specific aspects of their care and um, share that very, pretty openly across the organization so that we can celebrate successes and identify opportunities for improvement. But I do think that that's actually a great idea in that we should have some structured approach to how we triage the feedback from our patients because if we're able to provide them a forum to share their opinions and identify opportunities to improve, it just becomes a little bit more of a productive conversation. So I, I think that that's something that we can actually work towards in the future, which is how can we more effectively engage these patients and, and hear their feedback so that we are not just reactionary to that feedback, but are trying to be proactive and evolve as an organization so that any kind of negative experience or even neutral experience that patients may have had can be improved in the future. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we keep going back to this idea of patient-centered care and really customizing the care to the patient, uh, providing all these ancillary services on top of uh, medical care. And I, I think one of the major uh, criticisms of the United States system is how segmented some of the care is, right? Uh, there's people who are coming from rural settings to urban set settings to suburban settings. So in your experience at Johns Hopkins, has there been any sort of thought on how to bring those different patients together and sort of provide the best care to a broader range of, of patients? So I, I can't speak specifically to Johns Hopkins, but in my experience in bringing patients from various backgrounds, uh, there hasn't really been a formal a medium with, within which patients from all these different backgrounds can share their opinions openly. So that, that idea of patient-centered care, it would make a lot of sense to create something like that so that we can truly say oh, we're, we're thinking about the patient and how we operate our business. What we do have are very unique patient bases at Johns Hopkins Medicine International where we do get patients from different backgrounds. We get patients who are from the wealthiest parts of the wealthiest countries. We get patients who may not be able to afford uh, the full cost of care and, and are selling their belongings to make it over here because they need the care that desperately. It really is a, a mixed bag of patients that we see here, and every one of those patients comes with a story. So we try our best to hear those stories and to see how we as a health organization can improve their experience both here in country when they're receiving care and also improve their story once they go back home. How can we ensure that what we've done for them here at Johns Hopkins is something that continues with them as they travel back home and, and their care is able to continue, not just after they leave the health system, but continues once they're home so that they can pursue a healthier way of life. Yeah, in terms, I guess we've talked a little, we're talking, we're getting into a little bit of kind of medical tourism and the, the competition that's out there, because there's a lot of health systems that, you know, have had either international arms for a number of years or, like, recently going into that space. Um, can you kind of talk about Johns Hopkins' place and the whole, whole mess of it? Sure, absolutely. Well, let me ask you guys first. I'll ask you a question. When yeah. you think medical tourism, what do you think of? I think of people, uh, kind of how you were describing, people coming, people who need specialized care, and they can't get it in their home country, and they um, come to a place like Johns Hopkins, or a patient maybe domestically 
who say is in Idaho who has maybe a specific uh, you know cancer or a specific diagnosis that they can't get care for so you know Johns Hopkins has a specialist so they reach out um, to you guys and you know try to coordinate some type of care so that they could you know get the best outcomes yeah, and I, I would say that uh, some of the perception behind medical tourism is really on the higher end patients, right? The patients who are seeking the best care and they're willing to travel internationally to receive that care. I, th I think that's really more the sense that I get from reading a lot of the information on the subject, more so than someone who's selling their belongings just to get care. And it's really interesting that there, there is that group, because that's a group that I, I personally don't hear as much about. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm happy to hear you all share your perceptions and ideas behind what that word means because it is something that at its core, I think, a lot of people don't understand, this term medical tourism. Because a lot like Joe mentioned, it does break down into two specific sections. So there are two types of major types of medical tourism that will break it down into two major types. All right, so the first of these is, as you mentioned, patients who are in country in the United States that are going either out of the country or even traveling domestically to receive care. So um, for those patients, typically it's, they're leaving the country. And the driver of that type of medical tourism is typically cost or an alternative therapy not available in country. So when you think about that, think about it like this. A patient who is leaving America to go to another country to receive care Typically, they're leaving country because they need to get LASIK, for example, for their eyes. Joe's idea is that there's two distinct types. That's how we'll break it down. Uh, the first of these types is patients living in America that are leaving the country to receive a service, a health service outside of their country. And typically for these patients, the driver of that medical tourism is cost. They're going because it's more affordable to receive this care in another country or because the service that they want to receive is an alternative service that is not typically offered at health systems here in the United States. So a great example of that is a patient who leaves the, who leaves the United States for LASIK surgery and goes to Asia and receives LASIK surgery for a twelfth of the price that they would receive here domestically in country. For these patients, that's medical tourism, how it's traditionally viewed, is people traveling from country to country because of trying to find the best price and trying to find alternative treatments. In addition, there's a little bit more of that tourism element where people are traveling to these desirable countries like a Costa Rica or even somewhere uh, like in China, for example, and are making a vacation of it, so almost a vacation of it, where they're extending their stay so that they can really experience the country that they're getting the service in. Um, that is something that Johns Hopkins Medicine International does not really engage in, that, that type of medical tourism. Where we focus on and where most health, health systems have traditionally focused on in the international space is on bringing patients from other countries to the United States for care. Now, for these patients, cost is not necessarily a driver for why they come. Um, I mean, they're continuing to shop around, especially among the United States options, so price is incredibly important. But for these patients, what drives them here is the idea that they're receiving the best care possible. They're receiving the best care in the world. So whether or not that's something that they're able to accurately measure, it's based on what they perceive as the highest quality care available to them. 
whether that's a Johns Hopkins, a Mayo, a Cleveland, a MassGen, a New York Presbyterian, UPMC, patients are engaging these domestic health systems and traveling here to receive the care that they believe is the best in the world, which is why things like that U.S. News report, why word of mouth, just any way that international, that health systems with international arms can engage patients, they invest very heavily in that because that is how you bring patients from other countries here, is that they hear that this is the health system that's best for them and they engage those health systems to engage, to receive care. So the, this idea of medical tourism, um, there are tourism agency, medical tourism agencies who focus on bringing patients from the United States or other countries to other countries where cost is the main driver. But uh, for the organizations that you see here in America, typically the, the business they engage in is medical tourism where they're trying to receive the highest quality of care possible. Does, does that distinction make sense? Yeah, definitely. No, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, those examples that you gave in terms of like families uh, kind of selling what they have and coming um, to the U.S. for care. Um, are there kind of charity care options for those types of patients? Yeah, certainly uh, within their own countries, there are plenty of programs that may sponsor those types of patients. Uh, Here at Johns Hopkins Medicine International, we try and advise against patients selling the farm, so to speak, to come here, because a lot of times what that does is sets up unrealistic expectations. Uh, They come here and they expect their stage four brain cancer to be cured. And so one of the first things we do in the process is we do a very mindful check of the patient's diagnosis and their their patient profile. And what we do is we evaluate whether or not there's a provider here at Johns Hopkins that can treat that diagnosis and that the patient cannot receive that same quality of care in country. Because if it is determined that, one, we don't have anyone to serve the patient's needs, or two, that the patient doesn't need to travel all this way to receive the care, um, we're not going to negatively impact a patient's, their their financial situation or try and take advantage of that because uh, it goes against what our mission is at Johns Hopkins. We're trying to serve the patient. So it's only for those patients who we know we can help and who we know can't receive the care where they're from that we begin engaging. So in that sense, that charitable care piece that you had mentioned, it typically doesn't get to the point where we need to get involved at that level because we're doing a mindful check initially of these patients and ensuring that the patients who we are inviting to come here and are coordinating care for have the means to do so and will receive value for their investment of coming here for their treatment. Thanks. Yes, um, moving on from medical tourism, what do you see, I guess, for yourself in the future and Kind of where do you see your career going? Oh, it's a question that I ask myself every day, my friend. (laughs) So I'm of the mindset that everything happens for a reason. Every lesson that you learn, every interaction that you have, there's something along the way that will always guide you towards where you're supposed to be. I firmly believe that, and I think every experience I've had is indicative of that. Um, So for me personally... I would like to get more into hospital operations, whether that be international or domestic, uh, because that is why I got into healthcare. It's to help patients. So anything that will get me closer to the patients is something that I'll continue to explore. Within about 10 years, I'd like to be in a position where I can positively influence decision-making 
um, at, at an executive level to ensure that patient care is continually a priority within the organization I work for. So my goal is to ensure along the way that every experience I have sets myself up for success within that 10-year window. Um, I have a long way to go. I have so much to learn, and there are so many people smarter than me that I lean on every day and that I hope to continue learning from moving forward. And, and even through that 10-year window, I know that I'll continue to grow as a professional and continue to learn these lessons every day. So I guess to answer your question, uh, where I want to go is I want to continue to learn. And I'm very fortunate to be at a place at Johns Hopkins Medicine International where learning and development and growth is one of the driving factors of the organization. Great. For our uh, listeners who are interested in getting into hospital operations and international, what's, what sort of advice would you give them when they're applying to fellowships, internships, or just want to succeed in the field? Oh, it's a great question, and I'll, I'll repeat the same thing that I have heard from previous executives who have mentored me. Uh, what they always say is don't, be, don't feel like you have to be drawn to an organization because of where they are on a list. Uh, what you should be looking at in your opportunity is what kind of involvement you'll have in the organization. And I say that because there are a lot of students who are very focused on getting one of the top internships or top fellowships in the country, where, where the focus really should be is what kind of experience will I, will I be having? What will I be asked to do? Because at this point in your careers, the best resource that you have available to you is your time. And you should be investing that time in things that help you grow as a professional and getting that exposure so that you're not segmented into a specific industry, a specific segment of the industry this early on. Uh, there's no telling really where your passion might be or where your interest will end up being five, ten years down the road. And so the best thing that I can advise for those people who are asking themselves those questions is set yourself up for an opportunity that gives you more answers, gives you as many answers to where that question as possible. Where am I interested in getting into? Because what will happen is as these opportunities present themselves and as you continue to grow, you'll find one, like I did with International, that speaks to you and that you can pursue that will lead you to your next opportunity and your next opportunity. It's all a journey, so try to think about it like that and try not to get so focused on I need to be in this city or I need to be at this organization because, uh, again, with your most valuable resource of time, you should invest it in, in a way that ensures a good return, that helps you grow and sets you up well for your future. Thank you again, Chris Tan, for interviewing with us here at Health Conscious. And I think that was a great conversation. We had, he had some great insights, right? I totally agree. Uh, he's very knowledgeable about all things international and all things Johns Hopkins. And all things Sloan, what, don't and you think? all things Sloan, yeah. And I think he gave some great advice to uh, the students who are trying to get internships and jobs and sort of how to succeed in the job world. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, thanks again for listening to the podcast. Check us out on Health conscious podcast.wordpress.com shout to Sup and Shaw for the blog um, and with that have a great day